Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. And uh, he'll be uh, ready to answer some of your questions. Please use. Well, I've been called uh, Tim today. No, Jim. Called Jim today. Now Flanagan. So, <laughs> ask me anything you want. I can't be held accountable for it. Okay, I'm Trevor Page, and I would like to ask you what the effect on voter apathy has been in BC, which I understand does have a constitution. That's a good question. Now, there's a different kind of constitution in BC. And what happened in B.C. was the legislature got together and took a bunch of acts and put them all together and called it a constitution. So it was built by the legislature. I'm talking about a constitution that we will build, that we will write, that we will change. An experience I had in the legislature is relevant to this. When I first got in the legislature, there was a plaque on the opposite wall, a huge one. It's about, well, half the size of this wall. It was a wood engraving of the Alberta Bill of Rights. The Alberta Bill of Rights was the first bill that Premier Peter Lougheed passed because after living through so many years of social credit government, he felt that individual rights weren't being respected. He's very proud of us. That's why I was engraved and wooden put on the wall. For half a year I sat there each morning coming in and looking at this. Then one day I came in and it was gone. There was a picture of Queen Elizabeth there. And the point of this is that whatever the government passes, the government can unpass. So the experience with the Constitution in British Columbia is very simple. It's not a product of the people, it's a product of the politicians and the legislature. And so the same problem persists there, and that is that people do not feel that they belong to it. They do not have a sense of ownership. So in terms of uh, a voter turnout, that can be attributed to the British Constitution, or the British Columbia Constitution Act. I don't, say, I don't think there has been a significant difference. But there has been one thing of significance, sir, and that is that it included the right to referendum. And the British Columbia government wanted to harmonize the sales tax in the province. That was bring the provincial sales tax and the federal sales tax together, which was seen to be an increase in taxes. So because their constitution had the provision for referendum, the people there used that referendum to vote on that proposal to consolidate the sales tax. And the result was that, through the voice of the people, the consolidation of that sales tax was defeated. It was a very good example of people like you and I taking control 
of what the government can and cannot do. And from that point of view, that's the first demonstrable illustration I can think of of the success of the British Columbia Constitution. These people were at least asked. But no effect on voter apathy. Pardon me, sir? No effect on voter apathy, if I understood your politician's answer. Thirty years ago, I was a politician, sir. Well, today I'm a golfer. I'm a grass cutter and a snow shoveler. I'll leave it. <laughs> I shall leave it to the I, next I, question. I, I, some social scientists would tell you whether or not there's effect on voter apathy. I think that this is one thing you can do to help diminish or, diminish or increase interest in vote out, voter outcomes. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you for your uh, history about Lethbridge. My history is not quite as long, and I wasn't here that early in life. Mm. But I'm home here, and I feel like at home. Uh, you asked me what was on my button, and the top part says, support democracy. Now, I don't have to give you a lesson in democracy, but democracy is usually understood as a government by the people for the people. It has many faces. However... In Alberta, we have no more democracy because, I said that, yes, you heard that right, no more democracy because we refuse to practice it. We refuse to vote. Now, how do you intend that the Constitution will rekindle the interest in our province as a province for a democracy or for any form of government? Thank you. Thank you, Everett. I don't know. I cannot say to you that this is the answer to all our problems, but I can ask you if you have another answer, if you have another suggestion. What can we do to rekindle the interest we have in our government? What can we do to rekindle the interest in democracy? And from my experience here and elsewhere, I cannot see any other thing that we can do than to try to establish a provincial constitution. And I believe, I believe that if we do something like that, if we give something that people can believe in, something that they have developed, something that is their own, we will rekindle that interest in democracy. And I do not see anything else that anyone else can tell you about in this province. I don't care what politician you have up here next week or last week. It doesn't matter what platform they have or what promise they have about this or that. It's a system that has to be changed. And I will guarantee you this, that if we do not do this now, somebody else will be doing it in our future. There's two small children back there I had the opportunity to visit with a few minutes ago. I have to look at them and say to myself, what am I leaving for them? What are we leaving for them? What are we doing for them? If we do not do this now, if we do not take back control of our government now, it will be up to them to do that. And I want them to have a better government for themselves when they get to our age than we have right now. Thank you, Everett. Terry Shillington.
Thank you for being here. Thank but you, I have Mary. I have to confess I'm finding it very frustrating listening to you because I'm hearing a lot of platitudes and generalities, but not much that's concrete. And my question is about something concrete. Could you explain to me what would be concretely different by having a constitution? For example, we can pass laws that compel people to vote, for example. We can pass laws around proportional representation, around a lot of different things. What would a constitution do that is concretely different from, um, from uh, our, our practice of passing laws and amending them and so on? Very good question, Harry. Thank you. And I'll give you three examples, if I could, please, to illustrate the difference. Many of you will have heard of the No Meat Committee. The No Meat Committee was a committee of MLAs in our Alberta legislature who for three years paid themselves $1,000 a month and did not meet once. Did not meet once and yet they paid themselves $1,000 a month to be on the committee. Now, wouldn't you like to have that job, sir? I can see you smiling over. Where do I apply for a job like that? I'd like to do that. And the chairman, when he is accosted on this, his reply was, we have done nothing wrong. We have done nothing wrong. My MLA, my MLA in Calgary, had the good fortune to go to the London Olympics a year ago on the government tab. I don't know what she's doing there, but they're supposed to be developing business or something like that. Well, she went there and she took her mother with her. I thought that was very nice, taking her mother. She also took her daughter. She took them both first-class airplane tickets on our tab. You paid for that. You paid for that. Now, how can somebody be so... I'm not going to use the word dumb... But the proper word here is stupid. How can be someone be so stupid to take our money and spend it on their family to go on a holiday to London? If we have a constitution, we don't have those things happening. If we have rules for our government to live by, then those things do not happen. Now, if those things aren't enough, I'll take it a little bit further when it gets more. Harry, I don't know where you've gone to. All right. T, Terry, thank you, Terry. Every time there is a vote taken in the United States government, for example, it will re be reported, if it's in the Congress, that 270 people voted yay, 60 people voted nay. Or if it's in the Senate, 30 people voted yes, 70 people voted no. Whenever there is a vote taken in our government, in Ottawa, or in Edmonton, you never hear a number associated with the vote. And the reason for that is that your representative in the legislature today does not matter. They are totally irrelevant in the legislature. It is the parties in these legislatures and parliaments that matter. The only thing that will be said that something about legislation that is passed in the parliament or the legislature legislation is that this party decided this or the government said that. <clears throat> I challenge you to ask your MLA. You have a big decision coming up here in a couple of months or a couple of weeks, March 7th, the budget. The provincial budget is going to have a deficit of $6 billion. 
Six billion. Now, there's about two million of us in this province, so two million of the six billion is about 300 bucks each, or is that 3,000 bucks each? I don't know where the zero goes. What say do you have in that six billion dollar deficit? I'm going to say none. What input did your MLA have into that decision? I'm going to tell you. Your MLA had exactly none in the decision to run a $6 billion deficit on a $41 billion budget. The reason for that is the budget and the decision-making is the prerogative of the cabinet. And it's the cabinet in this government, in this country, that makes those decisions. Where the problem exists is the cabinet in our governments are in the legislature with your MLAs. Your MLAs cannot say anything about those budgets or the decision-making because if they say something that's not nice or, or that the government doesn't like or they vote against the budget or something like that, the government falls. The government changes. So what you have in your legislature and in your parliament are people who are members of parties who are there for cheerleading for the government. To solve that, and the way to solve that with the Constitution is to move the cabinet outside of the legislature or the parliament. So that when your representative is in the, in the legislature or the parliament, they are voting on your behalf. They can cast votes that represent you. I heard this word yesterday, and it comes to my mind right now. It's representation. Who does your MLA represent? Most of you would say right away, they represent me. They do not represent you, as this gentleman over here is indicating. They represent the party that they are in. And once they get in the legislature, they become missionaries on behalf of the party, bringing the party position back to you. You'll get your MLAs that will argue against it. I say, oh, no, oh, no, I stand up for you, what you have to say. Well, what did you say? Ask them, what did you say? Ask them what input they had into that budget. Ask them, and I like to be there when they answer that question, because I know, I've been there, I know what input they have. They don't have any. So there are three examples of specific things that a constitution could change. And if I'm offering you platitudes, sir, I'm sorry because that's all I know. I know that there is something wrong here. Something has to be fixed. When 70% of the people do not vote, they don't bother to go down the corner to cast a vote, they are sending us a very clear message. They are saying the system is broken and needs to be fixed. Here is my suggestion on how to do that. If somebody will tell me how else to do it, I would gladly support it. <coughs> Thanks, Terry. Next question. My name is Van Christou. Thank you so much, Tom, <coughs> for coming this morning. Uh, it's really great to have you here. Uh, especially with an, an important message such as you've brought to us. I've spent most of my life uh, with a real interest in politics, uh, local, provincial, and federal, and global. Uh, 
but I, I didn't know until today that uh, that we didn't have constitutions in the provinces now in Canada other than than BC. And when I look around and see the apathy that we are living in here politically, we're not. My generation hasn't done a very good job about teaching our children the the need for a vote in a democratic process. I agree with you completely that if we continue this, we're, it's going to be a disaster. Uh, we, w we won't be very proud of what we're handing our grandchildren. And therefore, I, I, I think that the possibility of, of your, uh, uh, your suggestion of having a, uh, a separate constitution for each province, particularly here in Alberta, is one through which we can get the message through to people that they must be more involved politically. My question is, have you, have you any system in mind that we can get this message through the schools to children as well as to as, ma as many parents as you're doing today? Thank you, Dr. Christou, for uh, thanking me for being here and the importance of the idea. I would like to go to every school in this province and tell them this. Tell them what this is all about, what's happening here. But the unfortunate experience I have is that uh, people like Terry over here saying that, uh, categorizing me right away as a politician. And if you categorize as a politician, you're not a normal human being anymore. You know, you're not welcome. <clears throat> you know, I would love to go into schools and uh, kick a ball around with the kids and play with them and answer their questions, but they would not let me in there because I'm a politician, Dr. Christie. It's an important lesson in civics. It's an important understanding of our society. And if I were a politician again, I would want someone to, I would like you and everybody to respect me as representing you and somebody that would do what you want to have done. I am so tired, quite frankly, if I can speak personally, about after all these years being out of the legislature as being characterized as a politician. I'm not a politician. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a neighbor. I'm like you. And if I spout platitudes, I'm sorry because I don't have the intelligence to say anything more. This is all I know. There must be something done. I would love to go to schools. I love to go to colleges. One of my, uh, I, when I was in the legislature, I went to the school. Someone had me speak in the, to the school class in Lacombe. Had a great experience. I loved it. Even though there was a kid in the front row who was sound asleep. <laughs> sound asleep. And what do you do? You know, you just, you, you just keep on plugging away. And now that I think about it, I was making a presentation to the vice president of Panama one night. He was busy the whole damn day. We had a room in there, oh, maybe about 20 people. And he was right there in front of me. I'll be darned if the vice president of Panama wasn't sound asleep. And I guess I should be grateful, I don't see, grateful that I don't see any of you sleeping right now. <laughs> but I love talking to people about these things. More than talking to them, I love hearing about them. I love to hear what they've got to say. 
I'll go anywhere and sit down and talk to, to anybody and if they'll ask questions and they'll tell me their point of view. Because, you know, I know what I know, but I don't know what you know. So that's why I'd like to listen to, and measure what I know against what you know and what we can do together. Next I question. don't know if I answered your question there, but thank you, Dr. Christian. <laughs> Next question, please. Uh, my name is Frank Toth. Uh, uh, I'm a Lethbridgeite. I had the good fortune, Tom, of, of sitting in with you on a foursome talking about this very thing. But I get so tired of people running down our citizens of Alberta for the apathy. We call it apathy. Apathy is to look in the mirror. Look in the mirror. And that will tell you who you are, what you are, what you're going to do. We don't give our people any credit whatsoever. Every second question to you and every speaker is, what are we going to do about it? Now, you come up with a wonderful idea of the Constitution for Alberta. I'm not a builder. I'm not an engineer. I'm coming to the question now. When I build a house, what do I do first? What, what do we build first? We put a basement. We put concrete and rebar in it. That's not the Constitution. That's the electorate system of your government to elect. When did you, when the last you heard a leader of any party, any province tell you that we have to have a decent electoral system? We got a 26% so-called majority in Ottawa. We got a 23% election before last year in Alberta. Is that what you call a democracy? So I'm saying you got to build a foundation, a basement with rebar first. The Constitution is the roof to keep you protected, okay? Do you not agree that we should have to change the electoral system, which will bring back, wipe out the apathy of people? They know. Let's give them, they know they're wasting their time to vote for anybody. You have said it a hundred times. What they do, they vote for the party, they're yes people, okay? Don't you agree that before your constitution, you've got to build a bloody basement, concrete, and rebar? An electoral system where you can now know that 51% of the people of the country or the province votes put you in, in the office, not 26 or 24%. When did we hear the leader of any party, any province, talk about the, the uh, proportionate way of, like every other country, every state in the world? That's my question to you. Don't, don't you think that's what we should look at first? We, ha we have uh, two more questions after this, Tom. So if you can kind of gauge your, we only have about five or ten minutes left. So if you can gauge your answer to the, to adjust for that, please. Thank you, Knut. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Toth. Uh, I would hope that a constitution could become a foundation for our <coughs> democratic society, sir. And I would like to see changes in the electoral process, process, but I don't know how you do that unless you have a constitution that says this is the way we'll do it. I know there's been a lot of talk about uh, first-past-the-post electoral systems, proportional representation. I used to be an advocate of first-past-the-post, but after seeing what happens here and you get only 11% of the electorate electing your representative. I think this uh, proportional representation has a great deal of merit. We ought to consider that. I would support it. 
Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Toth. Uh, thank you, Tom, for an interesting and a provocative presentation. My name is Ralph Himsel. Uh, I'm curious, you must have given some thought to the phrasing of the clauses of the Constitution, and I wonder if you might give us, uh, uh, say, one, two, or three examples of the very clauses or phrases that would be in a Constitution. Yes, thank you, Ralph. I envision a Constitution being in two parts. Uh, part A would be a simple statement of principles, like... Uh, we are proud to be a province of Canada. We enjoy being province, uh, province in this country. It's been a great success for us uh, that we would abide by the Canadian Constitution. We would abide by the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms and that the only people who could change a Constitution would be those who write it. That is, we the people. We wrote this and it will be us that, that changed this Constitution. That's the first part, the principles. The second part, when you talk about a constitution to anybody, I don't know, we've got 70 people in this room today. I'll bet you if I spoke to each one of you individually, we'd have 100, 170 different opinions upon what should be in that constitution. The first hurdle we have to get over is that we have a constitution embodying the principles by which we live. Our devotion, our commitment to Canada, our commitment to the Charter of Rights and Freedoms and the Canadian Constitution, and our commitment to the people who wrote this Constitution. That is us. Now, the second part, that's for, his, that's for future generations. Uh, there is no way we're going to get everybody together today to write a Constitution. The best we can hope for today and from the years to come is that we all agree that we should have one and that there are benefits to us. And if we can make that agreement, then future generations, there's all kinds of methods you can have to put what's in part B of a constitution. That is this rule or this rule or that rule. Uh, I'll, I'll leave that there, Ralph, if I may, please. Thank you for the question. Jim? I don't think I can solve any of your problems, Tom. <laughs> I just know that you are a very sincere and passionate person about what you're wanting to accomplish, and I hope you do manage to do that at some time. Uh, it's, uh, politics is very, very complicated. Now, you might say, why aren't people voting? Well, I voted, but you, uh, they probably feel like me. Who the hell do I vote for? Who do I know that I can trust? If you were running for some office and I had a chance to vote for you, I'd be 100% behind you. But uh, now, uh, Mrs. Redford, uh, I voted for her, and I'm still staying voted for her. But every time she does anything, you got somebody on the other side, oh, that's wrong, that's, that's this, that's that. They're like two kids. Like I had a politician phone me up a couple of months ago, and... When he was finished, I could tell he was disgusted with me. Uh, I, I said, you know, uh, politicians are like little kids on the playground. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. I saw you do it. No, no, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's what politicians are like. And you don't get through to the truth. And they don't 
are not able to accomplish what they stand up for because they get denied from all angles. There's not enough honesty between people of politicians. Thank you, Tom. I'm very glad to see you again. Thank you, Mr. Whitelaw. Mr. Whitelaw was our coach in high school. And I can't tell you how many times over my life I've made references in decision-making or actions I've taken, the references I've made to Mr. Whitelaw and the example he set for us. And I can say that about everything from Lethbridge is almost that Lethbridge has been a great place. It was a wonderful place to grow up. It's a great place in Canada. And I think, I not only think, I firmly believe that supporting a provincial constitution is going to make it even a greater place for our future, for the children in our future. I thank you again for being here with me today. Thank you for very much for having me here. And I thank you for your questions. And I hope I can see you all again sometime soon. Thank you very much, Lethbridge.